Everyone knows Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication between law enforcement and the community. Over the course of the last year, we have become painfully aware of the very negative headlines national media projected across the country regarding all law enforcement agencies. Over the last several months, and after numerous investigations, we have learned that these negative headlines did not tell the whole story but rather painted a picture designed to diminish the rule of law and those whose job it is to enforce it. Law Matters wants you to hear all the facts so you can decide for yourself. As these investigations conclude, these stories will be featured on our Truth Matters page on lawmatters1030.org website. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, everybody. Thank you for tuning in, listening to us today. We have... We haven't heard from him in a while. We have Hal Comfer on the phone. He's going to give us an update on Ukraine. Hal, how are you doing? Good, Sherry. How are you? I'm doing great. Have you been staying out of trouble? Uh, I don't know about that, but <laughs> do what I do. <laughs> so what's going on with Ukraine? Nobody slipped the Putin's chef note yet, so what's happening? <laughs> well... That may happen. Putin's chef has been saying a few things. Uh, Prigozhin uh, was very loud this week. Uh, he's kind of, he's not hinting. He's talking about the fact there might actually be a rebellion or something within Russia. Oh. And he's kind of setting the stage uh, for uh, what the you know, big counteroffensive that's coming. Probably the biggest news in Ukraine is the news that's probably the least interesting. The weather's sunny and warm. And, and the the big issue there is that it dries out the ground. And if you look at history of mechanized warfare in Ukraine, it's the mud that's the biggest uh, threat, if you will, to mechanized movement. So right. the, the ground is finally firm, uh, which means they can move tanks and other heavy equipment across it, which means that, you know, the counteroffensive could happen very, very soon. No one knows exactly when. The Ukrainians are saying it's already started in and they just did a, a strike very deep. Well, we don't know if the Ukrainians did. Somebody did it. There was a drone strike deep into Russia that hit a key oil pipeline. Now, this follows the raid of, quote, Russian partisans that uh, hit Belgograd right across the border. And obviously, and they're not very quiet about it, they're obviously backed by Ukraine, but Russians that had... Uh, American equipment, which really kind of irritated the U.S., that uh, that our equipment was actually in the hands of Russian partisans because that's not who we pass it over uh, to. We pass it to the Ukrainians. Right. But they're doing these cross-border raids, which is causing the Russians to have to move forces and to do all sorts of things. A lot of these things you're seeing, to include the, uh, you know, going back to the drone strike over the Kremlin, a lot of these things are causing angst within russia which is can putin can putin's military control its borders and can they protect uh mother russia now of course the fear has always been that they may escalate that and try to counter with some sort of nuclear option or something but it is setting the stage for the larger ground movement by doing stuff like that now uh part of that fear was accelerated this week because there was an agreement to move uh, nuclear weapons, Russian nuclear weapons, into Belarus. That, for the most part, looks more like posturing. It's not like they're going to be in Belarus' hands. It doesn't really change the strategic balance at all, but it does unnerve everybody to see that. But there's just been a lot of a, a lot of attacks. Of course, the F-16 deal 
that we're going to be training F-16s. We could be training uh, F-16 pilots. We could be end up printing F-16 pilots in Arizona, by the way. Um, that you, You'll probably see Ukrainian pilots getting trained in Arizona on F-16s. That's very likely. And uh, and then they're trying to figure out how to ship those over over across the board. But just a lot of stuff uh, going ship on. Ship them over. Why don't they uh, just throughout. fly them over? <laughs> well, I mean... <laughs> Fly them over. I mean, however you want to put it. But, oh, okay. Yeah. But, but we've agreed. We've agreed to provide training, and yeah. and other nations are providing training. But the other nations are actually going to provide F-16s, and these are the export models, not the ones that we actually fly. So that's a big shift. That is a big shift. Well, we'll have to see what happens in the next couple of, couple of weeks. It should be interesting. I think this next week could be very interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, so they're they're saying that it could kick off. You know, they say you know the Ukrainians are kind of being a little coy about this. They're saying the the, the counteroffensive has already kicked off in some very quiet ways, uh, but obviously we haven't seen a major tank assault. Although very interesting, they posted a video uh, on Twitter, which shows Challenger tanks with with this big uh, uh, engineering attachment in front, pushing right through these dragon's teeth anti-tank obstacles, you know, pushing through uh, tank ditches and stuff. And it's part of the information war, if you will, which is basically telling the Russians, because it's going to get picked up on Telegram, all the Russians are going to see it, that the, all this big anti-tank defense to stop against counteroffensive doesn't even slow the Ukrainians down with the Western equipment. And it's part of that psychology of destroying their will to fight before they've even kicked off the counteroffensive. And they're, they're doing a pretty good job at it. Yeah, sounds like it. Well, yeah. like I said, it'll be interesting the next couple of weeks, see what happens over there. That it will. Uh, hopefully it the will. good guys win. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> okay, I well, appreciate you calling uh, in, Hal, and letting keeping us up to date. You bet, Sherry. All right, you take care. Have All a good right. holiday weekend. Okay, you too. All okay. right. Okay, Law Matters is seeking active board members, people who want to make a difference in our community and help support the Law Matters mission. So if you're retired law enforcement or military or just want to get involved with supporting those who spend their time protecting us, send Law Matters an email. Go to our website, send us an email. We'd like to hear from you. And speaking of educational events, on August 3rd, we will do a free presentation on sextortion awareness that all parents, teachers, age-appropriate students should attend. There will be a Q&A session afterwards to address all your concerns. Also, on September 9th, we will be doing a not-free-but-reasonable presentation on the top of sex crimes against children. So save these dates. And I'll have more information in the coming weeks and on our website, which brings me to the Raven team. We're not talking football. The website is raven.us. We have the founder, John, on the phone. John, can you hear me? Hi. Yeah. Hi, hi Sherry. How are you? I'm doing great. Pronounce your last name for me. Sure. It's uh, Pizarro. Okay. We, we were kind of <laughs> trying to figure it out before the show started. <laughs> So, okay, you founded this organization, but before we get into the Raven team, let's talk about you. What is your background? So I spent 25 years in the New Jersey State Police, uh, which I retired. Uh, 
Uh, I spent five years in homicide, five years in corruption, five years in organized crime. Not that there's any of that in New Jersey, right? Oh, no, not um, in Chicago then, either. <laughs> <laughs> so the last six was the Internet Crimes Against Children Commander uh, for the for New Jersey. Okay. The Raven team, you know, I, I had the um, pleasure of learning about what you guys do, and hats off to you for coming up with this. Tell us about how the Raven team works and why the name Raven. All right. So Raven. Uh, so in Nordic myth, Raven, uh, Odin had two Ravens, uh, one, um, one for uh, basically memory, the other foresight. So Raven is comprised of uh, retired law enforcement officers, uh, policymakers, and other individuals that basically have that memory and that past to help law enforcement and in the future. So we exist to transform the uh, nation's uh, response to child exploitation. But more importantly, we got uh, tired of the lack of resources, the lack of fighting um, for the individuals that fight for child exploitation on a daily basis. So we decided to take that fight in our retirement. That's awesome. So everybody on your team is retired law enforcement. So we have uh, we have um, uh, everyone except uh, two um, two people. Uh, one is a policy writer. So um, we have uh, an individual from uh, retired from the NCA, which is up in, in the UK. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, nine nine of us are retired in Internet Crimes Against Children Commanders. So uh, we all retired and. We decided to really need our heads examined because we went to D.C. and now we're dealing with lawmakers trying to change legislation. <laughs> and that's not easy. <laughs> that's so not easy. No, and, and, and I think here's where Raven comes in is there's a gap. The biggest gap, and this from a law enforcement perspective, right, is, you, you know, like we as law enforcement, we complain, we moan. Uh, hey, this this law just got passed. They don't know what they're talking about. This got done. But the reality is, is that we're going to actually write legislation, legislation that we know how it applies to everyday life. And I think that's where the gap is, right? Because we actually work on those issues. We're impacted by it from whether it be sentencing, whether it be prosecution, whether it be funding, um, through the whole system, whether it be victim identification and victim support, all those items, no one is ever fighting for them, right? So, uh, and then the best part of it with Raven is we all did the work. So from a credibility standpoint, we're not giving you something that we believe can happen. We know, you know, we know what happens as a result. And another great thing about Raven is we're diverse. We're all from all over the United States, which gives us a better, how do you put it, idea and approach. Yeah, and I, I think people, instead of talking to politicians, how do we solve this problem, they should go to the source, which would be law enforcement. You're in the weeds down there, you know, trying to figure out how we can stop this. And you've seen the worst of the worst. They need to go to the people who are dealing with it, not the politicians who don't know what's going on. No, and then one of the challenges is, Sherry, like, most law enforcement agencies, when it comes down to child exploitation and child crimes or sex crimes, that is the last thing on uh, that's their last, how do you put it, priority. 
most of the priorities narcotics or um, maybe some somewhat of uh, street crime or other investigative avenues. And most of your law enforcement executives never did this type of work. So there's a lack of even understanding and awareness from your law enforcement executives that never had to deal with that. So when they go to, let's say, um, just uh, let's say whether it be IACP, uh, ASIO, which is the Association of State um, Crime Investigators or the uh, National Sheriff's Department, the challenge becomes is that a lot of the individuals even talking um, to some of these legislators never did that work either. So we're kind of like that mid-level where uh, we were involved to the day we retired. So that is the gap. So one of the things Raven is going to do is actually write legislation rather than just tell a legislator that basically, hey, you might want to do something with this. And then we wait for a response. Well, Raven's going to take up that mantle and actually write that legislation and then give it to those legislators. We know that uh, basically it's going to be marked up and it's going to be changed 100 times or it's going to be probably thrown in the garbage. But what we're trying to do is we're trying to make sure that it gets done. So I think the more work we can do on the front end, the more conversations that we can have explaining it, um, the more likely on the back end it gets passed. That's so true. And what I would like to know is what are you doing? What are the tech companies doing to protect kids from this type of egregious activity? All right, so let's 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 put it this way. Last year, there were 32 million cyber tips from the uh, that went to the missing uh, National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. All right, um, and generally those are complaints from providers that they report that something could have happened or might have happened or did happen, you know, on their platform. Um, 98% of those tips came from Meta, uh, somewhere in that uh, high percentage. Tell people what I Meta have, is. Meta is your Facebook, Instagram, uh, basically uh, those two significant companies um, are basically it's now all one company. But out of that 32 million, only 150 tips came from Apple. Everyone that I know has an iPhone. So my point is technology doesn't help us. The tech companies don't because they care about profits more than anything else. Um, and the reality is, is that they don't scan their systems because, you know, there's this privacy debate. But the reality is, is that most uh, most don't moderate. There's no age identification. There's no identity verification. Privacy groups say it should stay that way. But what happens is the amount of children that end up getting victimized. I think that is the challenge. So while there might be organizations like some something like the tech coalition where they talk about passing things the reality is it's about profits so the tech company bears a lot of responsibility because you know i look at it this way if you um were on a playground right and or you went to like i, I use this like chuck e cheese right you, you take your four-year-old to chuck e cheese he climbs on something and gets hurt there's some liability on chuck e cheese right right but yet on uh, TikTok or any of these platforms when they get sextorted or um, they get victimized in so many different ways, there's no accountability and no liability. So I think at some point there's a balance to everything, and right now there's no balance. So.
some case law on as far as you know sex trafficking there has been case law established that make um like backpage and in craigslist and some of the hotels that know things are going on there's a liability there couldn't that uh case law apply to this particular situation no. so you're talking about like section 230 right um what happens is there's a lot of um a lot of immunities within that that doesn't apply. It comes down to knowingly and willingly knowing on your system. But let's say I use an encrypted app. Let's say I use WhatsApp. And me and you have this conversation, and I trade child sexual abuse material to you. And the provider says, well, you know what? We can't see it because it's encrypted. We don't know about it. Well, then they don't have any liability challenge comes is that there's that that's one of the challenges there so it's really a balance to look I, I think from a law enforcement perspective we don't want i don't care what people's shopping habits are or you know what they do or their viewing habits but the reality is we have to find a way to protect children better and the tech companies don't really do that um and i am sure there's tech fixes but tech fixes cost money right yeah so you know, to me, everything is is a balance. Um, and the reality is, is that Amazon and Google know more about everyone than law enforcement can ever know about anyone. So, you, you know, I think that is something else where law enforcement gets that bad rap because we're, you know, a search warrant or legal process. Uh, just to give you an example, right now, the law is that a provider only needs to hold records for 90 days yet most law enforcement can't get to it in um um to like one year and one of the things raven took part in uh we have this the report act and then child exploitation we made recommendations to increase it from 90 days to a year so law enforcement can get the information they need to do prosecutions and protect victims better so okay the tech companies aren't really doing anything the flip phones don't have access to the internet, right? Am Correct. I wrong? Okay. No. Well, yeah. I, yeah. Why don't, it, why don't I parents give their don't. kids a flip phone? It can because, call home and it can call nine one one. What else do they yeah, need? Well, <laughs> well, when you're three year old, when you're three year old, you give their phone so you can eat dinner at the restaurant, and you look around. And every like three year old, four year old, here's the best one, right? So I go to I go to lunch. This is about six months ago. I sit down and there's a family of five that sits down, a six year old, an eight year old, and probably like a nine or ten and the two parents. Everyone has a smartphone. They did not have a conversation in one hour and fifty two minutes other than ordering the meal. Wow. So that so that's where you're where you're at, is that again, you know, from a children's standpoint, now, if I'm a parent and all my friends' kids have a have a smartphone and they're eight, you know, that's where the pressure comes in because they give that because you don't want your child to be different than everyone else. And honestly, we've become so dopamine dependent. We're likes, followers, and views, right? So that is where that behavior starts. And because of that, we have gone from, let's say, when I started as a commander, you know, it's 2015, but now you are your your self-generated sexual exploitive material are ages seven, eight, and nine. Um, and one of the reasons for that is that, like your amygdala, your fear center, basically, 
is that when, let's say, Sherry, you're walking outside, all of a sudden you see debris falling, right? Your brain automatically puts you into that fear mode, fight, flight, or freeze. But when you are home, you don't see the danger. That's why children get manipulated so easy. And sextortion is such an issue right now, um, you know, from children being victimized to the point where um, law enforcement can't even um, can't even respond to only a fraction of these cases right now that are happening to children. I think that's part of it, too. They don't have units like they the drug enforcement unit. They have all these officers working 24-7. But this crime doesn't have that. We have, in Tucson, we have one officer for the last several years who has handled all of this. And I know uh, the police chief was on last week. They're creating a new unit to go after things that we're talking about. Does the FBI and and who else, uh, Homeland Security, do these people have units that are solely yeah, created so, for this? So like, so, yeah, so just so you're aware of the ICAC program is the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. So each state, um, like California has five, Arizona, it's Phoenix, uh, Phoenix PD. Each state has, um, it's the task force program. So each state has, uh, it's comprised of state and locals in a task force. You'll have HSI on it. Some you'll have FBI, but the ICAC program does 90% of the child exploitation cases in the U.S. HSI um, does a lot, um, as well as, you know, the FBI does a few. But it's all dependent on mandated, you know, mandated um, issues. But the reality is, is that, like, when you talk about drugs, so the counter-drug budget right now uh, in the U.S. is something like $47 billion. Matter of fact, there's $1.2 billion just in grants for, um, for narcotics. Well, there is um, only uh, $33 million given to 61 ICACs. Yet, uh, like if you look at HIDA, that's $300 million for 33 task forces. What is HIDA? So the skip. HIDA is the High Intensity Drug Trafficking, which is a federal task force okay. of state and locals um, that basically ends up doing that. So the disparity, um, and again, you're looking at someone who worked in narcotics, but I could tell you this, the amount of children victimization, well, guess what? If you look at ACEs, which the um, Adverse Childhood Experience um, from Trauma, there's a good bet. Look, I'm not a psychologist, but just from a common sense approach, if you have been victimized online um, uh, sexually, well, guess what? You're more likely to use drugs. So it's also a quality of life thing. And that's what we try to explain to Washington and also state legislators is that there's not enough resources given here. And it's, it becomes um, paramount. And if you look at it today, I think um, when I testified in the Senate Judiciary a committee in the um, the U.S. Senate back in February, I was asked a lot of fentanyl-related questions because today kids can buy fentanyl on Snapchat. Yeah, for pennies. Yeah. It's crazy. Okay, what? who have you talked to in Washington? Who, the legislator, who, who have you, dropped some names. Who? So, right, so since, um, since January... We've talked to um, Raven has engaged with 50 different legislative offices, which is a a tremendous amount. Uh, Most of it is done by the House Judiciary Committee, uh, Appropriations and Commerce, because that is where um, 
those individuals reside for legislation and bills. Um, from at the Senate, we've had really staunch uh, supporters historically, like um, in Texas, Senator John Cornyn. Uh, you know, um, uh, Senator Durbin actually uh, just helped with Stop CSAM, which is an, an, another bill that got introduced. Um, in the House, we've uh, you have Senators Blumenthal, who, you know, was a big proponent of ICAC. And then on the House side, you have Deborah Washerman Schultz. But we've met with everyone from Jim Jordan, uh, Jim Jordan's office, to um, to Joyce, to um, 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 as many people uh, that we're talking on, on both sides of the aisle, from Marsha Blackburn to uh, Ossoff, who have you know, working on a report bill. So uh, Lindsey Graham and Elizabeth Warren. So the one good thing is that this is a bipartisan issue, right? So, and Raven's very bipartisan. Look, we just want to help with the problem as best as possible. So there's not an office that we won't uh, talk to. And that even goes from the state perspective uh, as well. But we've been really focused on, um, uh, federal, uh, federal, uh, and for Arizona, we've talked to Biggs um, as well, who um, who chairs one of the committees uh, for this issue that we would um, actually try to pass a bill with. So um, the conversations I have to say have been really good uh, for the majority of them, but most of them didn't understand the scale and scope of the problem. Other than the few that have been working in this area for years. We find ourselves doing a lot of educating just about the scope and scale of the problem, what the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force does. So that is where we've kind of started. And now we're going to get into the process where we um, actually have some ideas on some bills that would help uh, remedy some of the uh, most challenging uh, difficulties we have today. And that's what I try to tell people. This is epidemic proportions. It's a hidden crime, but it's rampant across the country it's not oh it happens in new york or it happens in mexico it happens everywhere and we need to stop it and the only way to do that is to support people like raven and educational programs like we try to provide to people mostly for free but sometimes we have to charge and with that we're going to take a quick break we'll be back in a few This is Deputy Chuke with Pima County Search and Rescue. Save your phone's battery life so when you get lost, we may contact you. Wearing bright colors that can be seen from a distance helps the effort. This is a rescue, not a scavenger hunt. Hello, everyone. Sheriff Mark Daniels here. The Cochise County Sheriff's Office wants to remind you we will never call you about a warrant for your arrest. Scammers use fear tactics to get into your wallet. Some red flags to look for. Number one. When the caller is creating a sense of urgency, for example, you need to take care of this right now because deputies are on their way to arrest you. Number two, when they ask you to pay with gift cards. And number three, as I said before, the Cochise County Sheriff's Office will not call you about an outstanding warrant. Scammers are creative and sometimes spoof actual Sheriff's Office numbers and use real deputies' names. If you feel you have been a victim of a scam, contact local law enforcement immediately. Keep up with the latest scams at the Cochise County Sheriff's Office social media pages. Stay alert and stay safe, Cochise County. 
Hi, this is Sherry from the Law Matters Live radio show. Next week, appeals attorney Bill Mormon will update us on the legal points for Derek Chauvin's retrial. So get your questions ready and call the on-air number at 520-790-2040. Law Matters is a 501c3 funded by your donations. Please join our 1030 challenge on our sponsorship page located on lawmatters1030.org to keep the conversation going. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and lawmatters1030.org. Thanks for staying with us. Our guest today, John from the Raven Group. And I told you earlier about the event we're going to have September 9th. And this is the organization we're going to be talking about that will be a fundraiser. John and I are going to split proceeds and have a fundraiser so we can educate everybody about what's going on. So we'll have more details on that as as the weeks go by. So I want to know what is the you've got some acronyms down here the legislation is out right now stop c c s a m what is that so CSAM, um, uh, stop CSAM is a bill right now that just passed the Senate Judiciary Committee. It's um, it's uh, it actually passed twenty one nothing, but uh, one of the things in it it has a supplemental grant program for the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force of uh, twenty five million, but it also has reporting requirements um, that basically will help with um, uniformity from tech companies. See what happens is. Uh, like if I wanted to request data and information, Snapchat might only give me a couple pieces of information. Meta might give me five pieces of information. Um, everything is voluntary. That is the challenge with um, tech companies. And if you leave things voluntary, you know what? I can give you one piece of information because I, I don't have to do more than that. So there's that bill. We have Stop CSAM, uh, the Project Safe Childhood, which deals a lot with prosecution and uh, training. Um, that is uh, a Cornyn, um, uh, Senator Cornyn uh, from the Senate with that bill. We also have uh, SHIELD, which is a cloverture. So basically there's a lot of child exploitation laws right now that are in the House, uh, or rather, rather in the Senate, uh, that are trying to get passed. So um, which is a good thing, is that we're finally going to focus on, you know, some of those uh, challenges that we have. So I think it's starting to garner a lot more attention. So what are some of these, the uh, Project Safe Childhood, what are, what are the details on that one? So Project Safe Childhood is a bill that basically will help with um, prosecutions, okay? Um, so one of the challenges that ICACs have is just the prosecution aspect of it and the actual training. So these are all meant to support the actual infra- infrastructure of uh, Internet crimes against children and the process on how they do things. So those those bills really are vital. So like the Protect Our Children Act of 2008, which um, Raven is one of the one of the bills we're going to rewrite, is um, uh, basically a bill that really funds the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force. So we're looking to actually change that and actually support law enforcement better. Um, there's another bill that we're working on called the Parental Empowerment Act, which will help um, guide. 
um, and keep children safe online so they can't join Snapchat when they're eight or nine years old, that they have to be of age. So those are the bills that basically right now, but one of the challenges is those versions change, right? So what happens is, uh, like, like from a bill's perspective, is uh, there's a lot of different people that weigh in, and the final version of those bills does not um, – um, it's very fluid. So, for example, Stop CSAM has changed a couple times, um, and now it's past the Senate. Once it goes to the Senate, it has to go to the House, or the House has to come up with their own version. So uh, the, while the final bills aren't done, at least we have legislative um, – uh, staffers and, and, and members uh, actually focusing on some of these bills, which is, which is great. And one good thing is that Raven's been involved in all those conversations for these bills. What about S.H.I.E.L.D.? What is, the, what is that program about? So S.H.I.E.L.D., again, you're talking about, um, again, when it comes to, like, victim identification, reporting mechanisms, um, protecting victims. So all those bills, really, um, that's what um, are being um, being written for. And that's uh, Senator, uh, Senator Klobuchar um, from uh, Minnesota uh, sponsored that bill. And report? So that's and, and the Report Act uh, basically um, is an, is another bill being drafted to uh, basically help, uh, again, reporting mechanisms for victim identification, as well as extending the time period from 90 days to, um, to one year uh, that records are held by tech companies. So, again, from a law enforcement perspective, we need those records uh, from legal process in order to protect victims. So what happens, let's say... Um, on a normal case, uh, let's say I subpoena something. Well, technically, after 90 days, I don't have to retain records. But if I don't get that information as a law enforcement officer, I get it four months later, and then now I subpoena that information, that information's not there. So what we're looking to do is make sure that uh, they hold the information that we need to, to prosecute offenders and protect uh, victims. What does earn it mean? What does that pertain to? Um, so earn it gets into the Section 230 bait, right? So the idea is is that the companies have to earn uh, their their uh, immunity. Uh, basically, is that Section 230 gives that gives the, the tech companies that immunity, but earn it is trying to bring some sort of accountability in the aspect where tech companies, if they don't comply. Um, then they are subject to enhanced penalties. Uh, one of the challenges uh, uh, with 230 is the way it is right now, it doesn't do things. So the challenge becomes, and, I, and, I'm gonna, and I'll do the defense from the tech company standpoint, is that it, there, there is a balance to everything. Uh, I, I think that's where Raven comes in. You know, we could see both sides of things. Um, we're just looking to come up with um, processes that are better and not um, uh, the pat on the back saying we just did something better. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, okay. I've, we've got you on the Hill working diligently, trying to get some positive changes made in this arena. What can local law enforcement do 
to help improve and make it, things more efficient? What can they do to help stop this heinous crime from happening? Well, part of it is it's education and awareness, right? So here, here's the, you know, every, how do you put it? Every industry, you remember that the tobacco industry, right? Then they put warning cigarettes on the label. Right. There, that was like revolutionary at the time. Same thing with alcohol. Um, so prevention is really the key. Uh, I, I think in having those conversations uh, with with your community and understanding that. So I think that's a part of it. Um, I think from a local law enforcement pers- uh, perspective is that prevention piece. But all, it's also, guess what, you're a voter as well. I mean, what's uh, if, if I'm a constituent, what's your record on, you know, child laws and protecting children and protecting law enforcement? You know, I think that's something that people can do just with their with their essence with their vote as well but from a local law enforcement perspective it's that prevention that awareness that's education it's understanding it understanding it and being more victim centric um really important because when you go talk to a 12 year old and a 12 year old shares images and you say well you know what you should never did that what's wrong with you that is not the approach. The reality is, is that that child has been groomed, been victimized in order to do that. So I think yes. that's a really important uh, distinction understanding is that a 12-year-old just doesn't do it for the sake of doing it. Your prefrontal cortex isn't developed. Children are victimized. And I think law enforcement, your local law enforcement, when you respond to something like that, I think it's a different mindset today and realize that that victim was victimized and they didn't do it just because they were stupid. Yeah, I think all children should have flip phones until they're 30. Okay. Yeah. So (laughs) in education, this is part of what we do here in Arizona is we hold events, educational events, trying to help people understand what's going on and, you know, listen to law enforcement, listen to what they're saying because they know what's happening and they can help you protect your family. So we've got people who, who work this area and I've, I've talked to the federal prosecutors, local prosecutors. What about the burnout? Does law enforcement get burnt out when they're dealing with this day in day out? So burnout is real. So if you look circa 2008, um, so 2008 when the, uh, Protect Our Children Act started, you were talking that there was generally, what, one computer. Um, there wasn't nearly the scope and scale of what's happening now. So you would find people in this area, they would stay like eight, nine, ten years. But now it's like three years. When you sit and look at images of children, and I'm going to be um, kind of graphic here, children being raped, infant and toddlers, um, you know, th- that victimization in those images, you, once it hits your soul, it never does. So you're talking about that. You're talking about the volume of work. The volume of work has increased by 500% over the last three years, not 2%, 500%. So there is no, it just doesn't stop. There's more and more cases. And if you, as a law enforcement officer, and your job is to protect children, and you can't get to them, you have that burnout. And what's happening is I see individuals in this field, um, they're divorced more, they're, 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 they lose their relationships with their children. So all those 
aspects really impact um, people's, uh, you know, individual lives. And I think that is what what most law enforcement executives don't see is the care for their people and that burnout is real. Are there red flags that people, you know, teachers, parents, um, counselors, are there red flags that people can watch for, you know, say, okay, maybe this child is being sexually abused in some manner? Well, generally it's the change of behavior, right? So, and whether when you're traumatized, you all of a sudden you become more withdrawn, all right? If I'm a child, all of a sudden I am not as vocal anymore. Um, I'm not doing the things that I like. I'm not actually smiling. I'm irritable. I'm looking at the phone all the time. Those are things that are really, um, really uh, red, red flags that basically really um, will impact you from that capacity. So, and the same thing goes for your investigators. Think about it. Like for us, is we stop doing the things that we, we like to do, right? Yeah. We don't talk. We don't, um, we, um, we, yeah, we're withdrawn. We become isolated. So those are the things that today that, um, that are impacting us. And let me give you this example. So right now um, in the U.S., uh, there, there's different software, but there's 99,172 IP addresses in the U.S. that are trading infant and toddler rape videos, all right, throughout the U.S. Only 728 are being investigated. So just to give you that scale and scope, I'll bring it one, one point further is generally Dr. Michael Burke, who did the Butner study, um, he um, basically came out to 50 to 80 percent of those individuals were hands-on offenders with 10 to 12 victims each. That means that a minimum right now, there's 450,000 victims of child sexual exploitation in the U.S. So we can't even get to them, and that's where that burnout comes. So it's happening on both sides. And when you say epidemic, it's really epidemic. I mean, uh, um, pandemic, this was a pandemic before the word pandemic even originated from COVID. Yeah, that's so true. So what are your plans moving forward? Um, You know, brick by brick, you know, point by point is really to get that support for law enforcement. Um, They need it in various ways. They need it from from a from a funding perspective. They need it from a support mechanism, from a wellness support. Um, Victims need more victim services. So our our job at Raven is, A, to support everyone in that field, number one. And number two is to protect the victims as much as we can, because if we're not going to do it, no one is. And that's why we need everyone else's support from a funding standpoint, and we need donations, is because one of the things that we need to do is we need to hire. For example, here's a, here's a perfect example. Like in California, uh, they're passing state legislation that you can't do consent searches, right? Um, they're passing, trying to pass legislation that you can't use law enforcement uh, reverse IP addresses lookup, which, by the way, would render the databases that identify those hands-on offenders um, uh, moot. So that's what we have to fight, and we're in a really significant fight. And the more funding we have is the more people we could assign to those issues, especially the state issues. Um, while Arizona was able to, pay, uh, for example, pass the law where sex dolls um, are uh, for children or children's sex dolls are illegal, 
um, which but would be the fifth state to do that. Other states and that just happened been doing that. That just happened yes. this month. Yeah. Yep. So that's my point. Is like Arizona might be great. Uh, Arizona's great on sentencing, but let's say I get arrested in Arizona with a hundred images. Well, guess what? I'm going to jail for forty years. If I if the same thing happened to me in California and L.A., I'm getting probation. So that is the challenge. Yeah, that's you would think it would be something more universal. This is this isn't something that you know it crosses state lines for sure. It would you would think it would be more of a federal thing instead of a state. Well, because most of the cases are prosecuted by state, not federally. So, um, and I think that's where that comes down to uh, again, because most of the cases are done by state and local. Um, but if you prosecuted in the federal, wouldn't it have a higher you know? Penalty? Well, and it de- yeah, it depends on the crime too. It depends on the images. So each each law has a different type of statute. So that's why it's different. And and honestly, federally they couldn't handle all these cases. Uh, and most of these cases are state cases. So that's where the challenge becomes. Um, you know, from a from a, a legislative standpoint, is because there's there's so many cases. Sherry is that. Um, they can't be handled by one single entity. And the re- reality is, is that a lot of it's done on the state and local aspect of it. And that's what really needs the most support. I think some state laws in certain areas like this one particularly should mirror federal law. Um, yeah, except, um, you know, there's, there's certain instances where state law might be better than federal law. So generally speaking, when you have a federal partner and a state partner working together, they generally will will go to where the most significant charges are. So, for example, we had an individual who um, who flew from California to New Jersey, Ian Brewer, who paid us a thousand dollars to have sex with a, a fictitious to with a ten year old. Um, he ended up um, coming to the state, and then we had another person, Jonathan Sprague and Castillo, uh, this other guy Castillo, who actually paid us to bring a child to California. One's doing 30 years, one's doing 40 years, right? So um, that was because of those federal charges. If it was a state charge and it was California, they would nearly, it would the, the sentencing would be like a quarter. When you say probation, do they wear ankle monitors or are they just out doing their own thing and have to report no, to somebody? No, they're out doing all their, their own thing. And oh then what God. happens is... <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and then you, and you got the court system that are putting them, putting the person back with children and access to children. All right. So um, there's also this, how do you put it, this um, acceptance right now or. They're trying to make it normal. Yeah. Yeah. Normalization of child sexual uh, behavior. So uh, there is, it's, it's, it's unreal today, right? There's a thing called trans age where today, okay, all right. Um, um, I can't help it because I'm attracted to 10 year olds. So I don't care what society it is. It's absolutely wrong and deplorable. So there's no way you can defend that. Well, I understand there's no cure for people who think this way or have this type of, um, I don't know what a behavior problem so <laughs> um, how, how do you stop it? How do you stop something if there's no cure for their perversions? Um, you know, there is also kind of all there's there's all different. 
you know, there's different theories from psychologists. Look, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. But the reality is, is that prevention is the key. Maybe, maybe um, if maybe some some group where if I'm an offender, I can go to that group before I offend. Um, like maybe AAA that would be, is it AAA? Or, yeah, no, it's like, AA. Like if you, <laughs> yeah, like if you knew that and you you're going to offend, maybe we we treat it that way. I think. I think what it comes down to, Sherry, is that we have to look at multiple ways of doing things. You know, there's not one way that's going to actually be the A-all and B-all or the panacea, but we have to attack it from different uh, mechanisms. And that's enforcement. Um, that's actual uh, actual prevention and awareness. It's actually from parenting, uh, parents being parents um, and being responsible for their kids and not addicted to their own devices. Yeah. So. I think that's where it comes down to. I mean, look, the reality is, is that legislative is a gap and that's what we're trying to fill that gap. We already know we got law enforcement, but, you know, victim services. The reality is it's a multidisciplinary approach. All right. Um, And it's going to take a community and a village to do this. It's not going to take one set or one group. Um, But I think it starts with realizing that your kids are being victimized every day. Yeah, they can be sitting on the sofa next to you and being sex trafficked. Yep, and abused, and you don't well, and even that, know. Yeah, it. and let me and let me give you the trafficking thing. Trafficking, while it is a problem, but trafficking is only one percent of the problem in comparison to child exploitation. Yes. So your child is more likely to get sextorted, um, uh, send um, uh, sexually explicit photos uh, or videos of themselves before they're getting trafficked. Just to uh, give you a, one more instance of a case, Samuel Schwingren, Lakewood, right, um, New Jersey. We arrested him, but what happens is, is that we get a call from an advocacy center because the mom of an 11-year-old found this video of uh, this individual. And this individual was able to get an 11-year-old to share an ex- uh, a sexually explicit video of herself um, that individual pretended to be that 11-year-old, and then within six weeks ended up with 67 victims, 67 victims, um, to the point where they even he haven't had one sibling um, sexually abuse the other sibling. Oh, my God. So that is the point. And, you know, uh, and, I, and I think that's what I've shown, you know, uh, our, our legislative members. I, I mean – I haven't even talked about Tor the Darknet. Uh, there, there's one post on how to seduce a four-year-old that was uh, read 55,000 times. So the point is, is that law enforcement needs all the support it can, and we are not doing anything on Tor in the Darknet right now. Hardly any. We're not doing anything in that uh, peer-to-peer that I was talking about of the amount of um, um, IP addresses are out there because we simply can't get to it. That's how the scale and scope of the problem is so big, and that's why we need everyone's support. Yeah, absolutely need everybody's support and education, and that's why we're doing, on August 3rd, we're doing a free presentation on sextortion. I'll have more details on that next week. And on September 9th, John's coming to Tucson. We're going to do an event and we're going to try to educate people. So, you know, tell your teachers, your parents, tell everybody if you know somebody that you think really needs this information. Stay tuned. We're going to have more details in the coming weeks. So, okay. What are you going to do 
What what are your plans for this week? Tell us who you're going to talk to and what's going on. Uh, the plans this week is actually to sit and write and look at some of the legislation and come up with a strategy in order to get it enacted. So we have a couple bills in mind. Um, usually I'm in D.C. one week a month, um, just engaging with legislators. So um, uh, and we got a got a meeting this week with um, a couple offices about creating an online safety um, uh, an online safety commission. So. Uh, again, that's what we're, we're 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 trying to do. We're completely engaged. Uh, we can need your help and your support. And if there's things that we can do for you, um, uh, my email is uh, jp at raven dot us. Kept it like really simple. And um, we would love anyone's support. And again, you know, any dollars that you can help give to this uh, would be really important. Yes, and we've got somebody, and this is awesome. I think it's a positive thing that we have people like you in your organization working really hard with our legislature and this is bipartisan this isn't some and if you've got anybody that says no i don't agree with what you're saying i would have a hard look at that person <laughs> well yeah i would probably say uh they, they are they, they should probably be investigated if you say uh anything about the opposite right exactly <laughs> So, yeah, everybody should be on board with this, uh, whether you're in D.C. or you're here in Arizona, California. Hope you're listening. Listen up. We don't need this going on. We don't need our kids to be subjected to this type of behavior. They don't know what's happening. You give them a smartphone and you've just opened the world to them. Flip phones. Flip phones until they're 30. (laughs) I don't think that'll go over very well. Yeah, no, I don't think so either. <laughs> so, well, I want to thank you for, you know, being a part of the show. And we're going to see you, obviously, we're going to see you in September. We'll be talking before then. And anybody out there has any ideas for, you know, what we can do here locally, send them to me. You want to support this cause? Our email address is, or our website is lawmatters1030.org. And if you have any ideas and want to be a board member and want to get involved, send us an email. That also is on our website. Check it out. We'd like to support our our local law enforcement people. And, John, if you need anything that we can do for you, let me know. Let me know. I I definitely will, Shari. I appreciate it. I'd be happy to help out because I think what you're doing is amazing and everybody needs to get involved. And... Do you have representatives for your organization out here in the West? Um, we have, uh, well, we have someone, our one board member lives in Colorado, another uh, Wyoming, and another South Dakota. So that's, that's so our, like, our Western, yeah. Like spread out a little bit. <laughs> yeah. But most of the action happens in D.C., and that's where you need to be. So happy writing yeah. this weekend. All right. Thank you. <laughs> happy Memorial Day. Until next week. Shop local, stay safe.